Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, I'm Matthew Wolf, and you're listening to my podcast. This podcast is the best bit from my weekly radio show on Wizard Radio Station every Sunday from three till four. What you're listening to is taken from live radio, but this is a podcast, which means it is obviously not live. So please do not try and get in contact with any of the live details you may hear me mention throughout the show, as your messages will not be received, but you may still be charged. All of our terms and conditions for getting involved can be found on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk. Also, as this is a podcast, some of the information we give about news stories may have been updated or changed since our broadcast went live. The information in this podcast is accurate and correct as of the time the radio show was originally broadcast, but might not now be accurate. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss the live radio show every Sunday from three till four, where you can get in touch live. Hello and welcome to the podcast. On today's show, I'll ask the listeners what they thought about the revelation of David Cameron's involvement with the company Greensill Capital. I broadened the question and we had many responses on if the UK has a corruption problem in general. Later in the show, I asked people what they thought about the UK opening up after lockdown and if they think businesses and shops will remain open and safe for business. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Wizard Radio. I'm Matthew Wolf, and for the next hour, and at this time every single Sunday, I'll be discussing your thoughts and opinions on the biggest current affairs and political stories of the week gone by. As always, we've got two great topics that will be coming up on the hour. To begin with, I want to hear your thoughts on if the UK has a corruption scandal. This comes as David Cameron's Cameron's involvement with the company Greensill and his correspondence with members of the current government, government came under fire this week. I want to know if you think this is endemic of larger problems with how the UK government is set up and how it's open to exploitation. Later in the show, I want to hear your thoughts about the reopening of the UK this week. Do you feel like it was safer this time as we learn, as we have learned more about how the virus spreads? Or are you still concerned that there could be another peak? As always, get in touch. You can contact us on Instagram and Twitter, we're at WizRadio. Text us at no extra cost, only standard network rate supply on 07807183538. Email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details are on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk. Good afternoon. We have discussed repeatedly on this show issues of cronyism in government. During the earlier stages of the pandemic, we discussed the government's awarding of a personal protective equipment contract 
to a company with links to the Prime Minister. A judicial review was then brought by the Good Law Project, a campaign group, and three opposition politicians. And this judicial review ruled that the Department of Health broke the law by failing to disclose to the public where the contracts had been given. The review was aiming to seek information about undisclosed deals with firms that had no medical procurement expertise and in some cases delivered defective protective equipment. Martin Chamberlain, a High Court judge, said the Secretary of State for Health, Matt Hancock, failed to comply with a public procurement law that requires the government to publish contract awards within 30 days. The judge stated, the Secretary of State spent vast quantities of public money on pandemic-related procurements during 2020. The public were entitled to see who this money was going to, what it was being spent on, and how the relevant contracts were awarded. The Health Ministry obviously defended themselves. They stated that they had needed to move within a very short timeline and against unparalleled global demand, which is why they didn't have time to disclose the company they were dealing with. More recently, we discussed the outsourcing of the government's track and trace system to the company Serco and the outrage that followed as the poor success rates and high prices were revealed, as well as accusations of links between the company and politicians. This week, another unrelated story to the, another story unrelated to the pandemic rose to prominence as it was announced that the government have launched an investigation into former Prime Minister David Cameron's lobbying to the government and his relationship with the company Greensill Capital. Here is a brief explanation by TLDR News about the specifics of Cameron's scandal. When the pandemic struck, Greensill asked to be part of the government's COVID corporate financing facility, or CCFF, which was basically a programme in which the government would loan money in order to keep credit flowing throughout the economy. Now, in an interview with Sky News back in March 2020, Greensill founder Lex Greensill claimed that he wanted Greensill to be part of CCFF to help small businesses get access to these sorts of government schemes. But obviously, Greensill would have made a lot of money from it themselves too. Anyway, the government initially said no, so Greensill went to David Cameron to lobby for them, who had been working as a paid advisor for Greensill since August 2018. By the way, Greensill was founded by Lex Greensill, a billionaire Australian financier who worked for Cameron's government as an unpaid advisor from 2011. This is where it gets a bit dodgy though. Cameron texted Rishi Sunak twice in April, asking him to reconsider the government's decision, as well as lobbying two other junior treasury ministers, Jesse Norman and John Glenn. Sunak has released his responses to the texts, in which he says he'll push the Treasury to explore an alternative. Unfortunately for Cameron, however, the government stuck with their original decision, and Greensill was excluded from CCFF, despite Sunak's promised efforts. So here's the so that was the, sorry so that was the specifics of the case with David Cameron and what he's being accused of. But I want to know more generally if these stories are symptomatic of wider problems of corruption within government. Lobbying can be positive. It can be a brilliant way for groups without representation in Parliament to be looked after. For example, when the Federation for Small Business secured £54 million of funding for their members in the wake of devastating floods in 2015. However, with the emergence of lobbying coming from insiders, 
Do you think that the system is too open for exploitation, where the interest of wealthy business comes ahead of the interest of the public? Let me know your thoughts. A reminder of the ways in which you can get in touch with the show. On Instagram and Twitter, we're at WizRadio. Text us at no extra cost, only standard network rate supply on 07807183538. Email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details are on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk. And for the second topic, I want to discuss how you felt with the reopening this week. This week, we saw the reopening of non-essential, of non-essential shops and businesses, as well as pubs outside in England, with many reporting sales rates they usually only see around the festive period, as people were clearly eager to enjoy the things they've missed. My question to you listening is, with all the new information we have now about COVID that we didn't have during the reopening last summer, such as the need for ventilation um, as more important than sanitation of surfaces, are you more confident that this reopening is for real and it will last without another peak in cases? From your personal experiences this week, have places seemed safer than before? Once again, you can get in touch in a multitude of ways. On Instagram and Twitter, we're at Wiz Radio. Text us at no extra cost, only standard network rate supply. On that number, 07807183538. Email us station at wizardradio.co.uk. And for the last time before our first break, our website is www.wizardradio.co.uk. So as I said, I want to hear from as many of you guys as possible. Um, this show really does work only when you guys get in touch. So... Um, make sure you you text that number and give your opinions um, on both the topics. But right now we're getting a song on. Uh, the song on now is Justin Bieber, fe- uh, Justin Bieber Peaches featuring Daniel Caesar and Giveon. Welcome back to Wizard Radio. That was Justin Bieber, and without. Um, Wasting any more time, we're going to get straight into your messages on the first topic that I'm asking all of you listening today. The question is, does the UK have a corruption problem? And this comes as um, David Cameron's lobbying is, uh, has been put under the spotlight this week. And um, I'm happy to say we got a message straight away here from Danny, who says about this issue that the UK is one of the most corrupt countries in the world. This is where other pe- people from other countries come in order to seek protection. That's well known and well documented. The government make us feel like they are transparent and that we know everything that's going on because we have things like the Freedom of Information Act, um, the free, like Freedom of Information requests, and because there are TV cameras all over Parliament. But the reality is that we know nothing. Whenever there is something out that the government doesn't want us to know, they overload the news so it can't be reported properly, and they hide laws and decisions they're hard so they're hard to find. The UK government is extremely corrupt, in my opinion. Well, thanks for your text there, Danny. And um, I would like to say that I'm not necessarily disagreeing with what you're saying. I think that quite a lot of what you're saying is true. But I do have to say that, especially the second half of your message there, um, the bits where you're talking about the government trying to bury stuff and things like that, I think it does come across slightly conspiratorial, almost a bit like a conspiracy theory. And I'm not saying that it is, because you obviously have these beliefs for a reason. But I do think that... um, Maybe you should have sent a bit more evidence uh, in that text, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, I do understand um, that point of view that there's kind of lo- there's lots of things that kind of go unchallenged and it kind of 
creates the impression that there's some murky underworld and maybe this is the case and there, there's lots more that we don't know but I feel like um, you don't give enough evidence for that to be um, read out as fact so I would just establish that but as to the main point of your message um, what really runs to the start you talk about the freedom of information and um, TV cameras and how they don't really do that much to um, address transparency, transparency in government and I would say that the Freedom of Information Act, I think, has been um, very, very helpful and is a, a good step in the right direction. It's only fairly recent, but um, it does allow um, it does allow the U it does allow uh, members of the public to find out how much um, money political parties are getting in donorship in, in do from donors, um, all these different things that could um, be seen as corrupt. And I think that it does help, but I don't think it's gone all the way. And um, I, I, I was doing some research before this show and the, the amount of money that the major parties especially get from people in high influence. Um, the owner of Weatherspoons um, donates millions and millions of pounds to uh, the Conservatives and some the Conservative Party and some um, have argued that um, that's the reason that many of his pubs um, were opened before. Uh, uh, sorry, I stumbled there. <laughs> that's the reason that many uh, pubs were opened before um, other hospitality such as um in, in the first wave of lockdown so um the close links that they have is uh it, it it's worrying to a lot of people but also the links between big business and um government is probably one of the oldest in political history um another example that's fairly famous is that a, a businessman who was involved in who was the, the former owner of formula one um donated a lot a lot a lot of money to uh, Tony Blair's Labour Party uh, when he was in office and for that reason um, Tony Blair did not ban cigarette advertising from the F1 which was earning Bernie Eccleston a lot of money and um, it, it was in the government's plan to remove that advertising but the links with Bernie Eccleston that was not the case so it's not a new thing that's probably almost a timid example to some but there are there are more severe examples that have um, I'd say more uh, more severe impacts on um, pe on people in the real world of people that live in the country, and I feel that um, your text will probably address that later in the show. But uh, thanks for starting us off there, Danny. It's a it's a really good message. Um, cool. I'm going to move on now to a text here from Emily, who says, "Oh, she's got a very different um, opinion here, Emily." And she says, "If David Cameron had texted Rishi Sunak to change his decision, drop some money in Rishi Sunak's bank account, and then Rishi Sunak had changed his decision." And I would say the British government is corrupt. But to be honest, I don't see the issue here. Someone who knew someone in the government texted their friend to see if they could go, they could do business together. And then the person in government said they would look into it and then didn't change their mind and went down the course that they were already, already going to go. That isn't corrupt to me. Explore the option, as they should have. Government should always explore all options. And then the decision that wasn't the best route and then decided that wasn't the best route and went down the original route. Maybe I'm missing something massive, but that doesn't seem corrupt to me. Well, Emily, um, thanks for getting in touch. I've got a feeling your message um, will be, um, your side of the, the argument may be um, quite uh, sparsely represented in today's text, but um, all the more reason um, as to why I'm happy that you texted in. It's a really great message. And um, I, I appreciate you coming from that point of view. I understand what you said, um, the main point you make, that um, Rishi Sunak and the government did not take on that company 
therefore it can't be corrupt. But I do think there's a there is a bigger problem here. Um, it may be the the massive thing you're, that that you say you could be missing. I personally think that um, there are two issues here. The first one is that we have absolutely no idea whether um, if this hadn't been leaked and discovered by journalists, then um, the, the government may have taken on this contract. We've got no way of knowing. Maybe they wouldn't, maybe they would, but we, we don't know. Maybe it's just the intervention of journalists and people discovering the story that um, put it on hold. But um, the, the bigger issue here is that, it, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter whether they took on the company or not. The fact is that an ex-prime minister was using their links to try and um, gain to try and gain uh, gain favour within government and exploiting that that power, uh, even though he's not currently democratically elected. Um, if you trace the story back further, um, the, the Greensill Capital um, earned a lot of money when David Cameron was prime minister, um, as he did business with them for small businesses, facilitating loans, etc. So. Um, <laughs> Even though that was technically not illegal, David Cameron was uh, using a private company to do the right job. The fact that he was friends with the guy that ran it and had an investment in it does suggest that something murky is going on. And um, that issue is specifically the issue of um, businesses getting rich off government is an issue that we've discussed um, on the show before um, when talking about... um, when talking about um, the pandemic and uh, issues with PPE contracts. So it's not new and I feel like um, it does need to be addressed. So, um, yeah, thanks for your text there, Emily. I do disagree with part of it, but I can see where you're coming from. And uh, I want to say thanks for getting in touch with that opinion. Um, But we've got another text here from Sophie, who's completely the other way to you, Emily. She says, this is just another example on the pile of examples of the UK's corruption problem. You have the former prime minister lobbying the government to try and favour his company. This company, uh, this, sorry, this coming after the corruption surrounding ministers giving millions of pounds of COVID-19 PPE contracts to their friends, even if their friends don't have any experience handling PPE. And the revelation that the Queen keeps some of her money in offshore bank accounts and then leaks like the Panama Papers. I don't know where to start to solve this. It feels like we have to tear down the current system and start again because corruption runs through the blood of this country. Well, Sophie, um, thanks for your text. I want to start with um, your comment on the Queen, which I think is a really interesting one. Um, I can't remember if we've discussed this on the show before, but yes, it was um, a really damaging story published by The Guardian. Um, that The Queen and other members of the royal family were um, storing money offshore so as to... Um, I'm not sure avoid tax. I'm not sure if the Queen pays taxes anyway, but to uh, make more of their money. And um, there were some shady things going on with um, with the royal family's finances. And obviously, um, in the wake of the news this week, um, I don't think it would be right for us to hammer the royal family um, right now. Um, so I, I'm going to leave that that specific thing, that, that specific issue uh, to bed. But I think that the wider issue of um, corruption being almost endemic in the UK system is a really interesting one. And only long-term investigations will be able to prove that. Um, We're not going to be able to speculate from just reading the news because it it may run deeper or it may just be some shallow issues that have already been exposed. But from what we see, it does seem that um, certain things, at least on the surface level, don't appear to be correct. I'm talking about... um, Specifically, the uh, the donation of the contracts for the PPE and the fact that they went to 
a company in which consultants were being paid £7,000 a day uh, for being consulted about how best to utilise track and trace when NHS workers this year couldn't get a pay rise or got a 1% pay rise that um, the nurses' unions were protesting. And I think that that injustice um, leads to an understandable level of anger and to a lot of people um, questioning why. Uh, Are these people being paid a lot of money because they're the best for the job? Or are these people being given the contracts and being paid all this money because they're friends of Boris Johnson? And um, Boris Johnson, of course, says it's not because they're his mates, but um, that's for you guys listening to determine and the rest of the British public to determine, because obviously it's going to cause a lot of outrage when these people are being paid so much and NHS workers are not getting a pay rise. So, yeah, thanks for that text there, uh, Sophie. Um, You've raised a host of really interesting issues. So, yeah, thanks for getting in touch. Um, I've got another message here from Gideon, who agrees with Danny. Um, Danny, the earlier texter that said that the UK is one of the most corrupt countries in the world. So um, Gideon's going to touch to say, I agree with Danny's message. The government constantly hides news stories that they don't want us seeing. In 2018, they quietly published a report about how universal credit was not effective without an announcement and purposely did that on the last day of Parliament before recess so it wouldn't be criticised. That same year, the day before another parliamentary recess, they revealed that immigration exit checks to track people who moved to the UK had failed and it wasn't covered because it was on the last day of Parliament so there couldn't be debate on it. Just before Christmas, they revealed that the Foreign Office Minister, Mark Field, would face no punishment for abusing a Greenpeace activist. They did that on the last day before recess to cover it up. They have a track record of doing this. They try to make sure we don't know about the things that make them look bad. Well, Gideon, thank you very much for that text. And I think that me saying that I had no idea about all those stories, any of them, actually proves your point. Um, that I, without bragging, I do this um, I do this show and I feel like I'm very invested in current affairs and politics and keep, keep very up to date with um, current affairs stories. But... The fact that I didn't know any of those stories um, almost proves your point right, because they'd been very effectively hidden from from public view. If um, someone like me, who's um, more involved and follows uh, current affairs a lot more closely than the average person, had no clue about them. So it's almost a testament to how successful this um, burying of the news um, almost was. And I feel like... um, while those things may seem small in isolation, they're always of the government avoiding scrutiny in Parliament, and I think that that can't be that can't be allowed to go unchallenged. Um, the, we we know, of course, there was huge outrage when the government tried to prorogue Parliament um, over the Brexit deadline and got stopped. Uh, that got stopped by the um, by the House of Lords. They said it was um, illegal and it, it got blocked, and it it wasn't possible in the end. Um, but that was and, and that created a lot of outrage because it was quite an overt thing to do. They said, we don't care. We're going to parole parliament. Brexit's going to go through and the people, uh, the democratic will of the people is going to be observed. But the, these things aren't as um, open as that. They're not as um, they're a lot more. Um, I wouldn't say they're less significant because they clearly are, but I'd say they're they're not as obvious. And perhaps that's even more dangerous because it's easier for these these sort of acts to go undetected. And um, I want to hear from you guys um, listening in what your advice would be um, to the government to, to try and get rid of the, these problems, to try and um, 
trying to iron out these creases that allow um, the government to go without scrutiny. So I'm just going to leave leave that thought with you guys to text in on um, your possible proposals for how this could be changed. Um, so uh, I'm going to leave that with you over the break. But also, um, I mentioned in my introduction um, the whole process of lobbying um, in the wake of David Cameron's affair. And we, we, we've spoken a lot about lots of different things on this topic in the last 15 minutes, but we haven't really spoken about the process of lobbying. So I want to hear from you guys listening if um, you feel that that process needs to be reformed and if so, um, how? So, yeah, um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave that with you guys. Um, please keep texting in. Uh, just a reminder of the number you can use to do that. It's 07807183538. But right now it's our second song of the hour. It's Doja Cat, Kiss Me More, featuring uh, featuring Caesar. <laughs> Welcome back to Wizard Radio. I'm Matthew Wolf. Just a reminder at uh, half past of the hour uh, of the two topics we're discussing on today's show. The first question, which you've had some great texts in uh, on already so far, is the question of if the UK has a corruption problem. Uh, this is in the wake of the lobbying scandal with David Cameron and uh, also um, many other story, stories to do with the pandemic about uh, outsourcing to uh, private companies with links to the government. So we've had some really interesting text on that. Uh, later in the show, I'm going to be hearing your thoughts on um, if businesses will rebound post-pandemic safely. And uh, what do you think we've learned from what do you think we've learned from the first uh, from the first reopening last summer uh, about COVID that will help us um, tackle the pandemic more effectively this time? But uh, back to that first question of if you think that the UK has a corruption problem. I've got two really good texts here from Alex and Blake who come from completely uh, different points of view. I'll read Alex's text first, who says, I think you might disagree with me, Matthew, but I don't see corruption here. If a minister or prime minister has a successful relationship with a private company whilst they're in office, not for a corrupt reason, but because they deliver what is needed, then I don't think it's corrupt for that person to then go and work for them after they've left office. Former PMs still need to earn an income. There was also a news story this week about Matt Hancock owning shares in a company that provided services to the NHS or something like that. But that isn't corrupt either because he declared it publicly and no rules said that he had to stop holding those those shares. In that case, if Matt Hancock hadn't declared it, then it would be corrupt. But he followed the rules. I don't know what you expect from these people. So, um, yeah, I'll deal with this text before I go on to the next text from Blake. Um, I understand where you're coming from, Alex. Um, but I think the key to this is, are the company doing a good job? Uh, Serco did a terrible job with Track and Trace. It was one of the worst systems um, in Europe. They were apparently only getting around 70% of um, positive, taste, positive tests and tracking them, as opposed to um, NHS-run uh, schemes on other... Um, NHS-run schemes in other parts of the country that were getting far higher success rates. So um, that was a failure. And then when private companies that are being used by the government fail, the the question that always comes up inevitably is, well, why do they get the job then? And that's when the questions turn to links with government. And on to the story of Matt Hancock. Um, For anyone that doesn't know, um, it was revealed, well, Matt Hancock declared um, in March that um, he has a 15% uh, stake in a company that um, was given a contract of £300,000 by the NHS. And uh, 
uh, sorry, another uh, bit of information to that story is that the company was owned by his sister. So obviously there are some issues here. Um, the text we've got here from Alex, it, he's completely right when he says that um, Matt Hancock didn't break any rules because he did declare it. But the reason the rule is there for uh, MPs to declare it is because um, the public should know who they're dealing with and be able to make their own opinions on whether uh, they should be making deals with that person or not. It, uh, the rule is not there just so um, just for fun. The rule's there to try and um, get, aid transparency. So um, I do think it's a good thing that the that rule's there. But I th and you're right, Alex, in that Matt Hancock has not broken it. However. Um, He's revealed that um, the country, the company got the contract. And while that wasn't illegal, is it moral? The fact that a company he was so deeply involved with is being given a contract like that. He is the most senior, one of the most senior people in the entire government. And in that role, he's responsible for everything to do with health in this country. And um, with that power, he's using it to make himself money. Uh, whether... Whether that was really why he gave the contract to this company or not, maybe he genuinely thought they were the best company for the job and his links meant that he was um, had better expertise. That's what he'd say. Um, but the fact that he was making money from something that was meant to be uh, serving the public interest is questionable. And um, maybe going off on a slight tangent here, but... Um, We've discussed on the show before the idea of having um, ministers, uh, ministers from departments who have paths in that um, in that profession. For example, uh, the environment, the environment minister would be someone that was a long term environmental campaigner, the health minister, an ex doctor, the education minister, an ex teacher. And um, one of the biggest issues uh, that people raise when that idea is proposed is that um, that would lead to more cronyism and corruption because um, the ex-doctor would use all his 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 links and his mates in the um, or her his or her her mates in the health industry uh, and employ them to um, employ them to be um, running the country and um, giving out the contracts and some people would say that's actually a good thing because they know who's good at the job they know who's got expertise but other people would point to say hang on a minute. Um, this is where problems arise because ministers are getting rich off um, a service that's meant to be in the public interest. So, yeah, I have gone off on quite a big tangent there, um, Alex and everyone else listening. But it's a really good text. So, um, yeah, thanks for getting in touch. I'm going to move on now to uh, the text from Blake, who disagrees with you, Alex. And he says, we all know that politicians will only act in their own self-interest. But recently, it feels like it has been taken a few steps too far. With the news about Matt Hancock, the health minister, owning shares in a company that is the supplier to the NHS, how is that not corrupt? He followed the rules, he publicly declared it, and whatever he needed to do. But he still holds those shares because the rules let him. Those are corrupt rules. We need new rules and new policies to hold our politicians to account because obviously the current rules aren't strict enough. Just because the rules let you do something, that doesn't mean it isn't corrupt. Well, Blake, the start of your message really echoes quite a lot of what I was saying um, in response to Alex's message. The idea that um, even though you didn't break rules, it, it still doesn't mean that it was right and, or, and moral. Um, but the second part of your message is where I think it's really, really interesting. 
the idea that the rules aren't fit for purpose and that that is what makes this country corrupt. Um, and I have to say that I think you articulated what I probably should have said in response to Alex's message. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant point. And I feel that um, just five, ten minutes ago, I was praising uh, the Freedom of Information Act. And um, I even praised this law that allows that forces people to um, the, the law that forces people to declare if they have shares in a company. I think that's a great thing. But I think you're completely right in that we're missing laws that would make everything even more um the go- it would make governance even more robust um and even more um transparent to be free from corruption and i think that it, it wouldn't be that difficult to implement it would just be saying no minister is allowed to own any shares in um a company that the government that in a company that the government uses um for a service obviously that may become difficult if i don't know the the government use um delivery systems and someone in their purse invests in a fund that also has uh, shares in huge big big companies or if the government want google to carry out a project and many people own shares in google just anyway or a fund a fund that also invests in google but i think that um that's why we have a supreme court that's why we have uh, some of the we, that's why we've got some incredibly intelligent people working in courts around the country because uh, if we've got a law that says you can't um, have significant links to uh, companies that carry out services, then um, in murkier cases, such as if the government wants to use Google and someone's got a tiny, a tiny, tiny stake in Google through a fund, the judiciary can do their job and um, evaluate whether that is or isn't legal. In this case, uh, I'm I'm referring back to uh, the case with Serco and where, and the other the contracts that were given to PPE contracts that were given earlier in the pandemic, the judiciary declared that it was not legal. Therefore, um, although they defended themselves, uh, the the government had to apologise, and the public knew that it was illegal. Um, I feel like the judiciary can apply the same principles to um, this new rule that you're proposing, Blake, and I think it could be a great thing. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a it's probably my favourite text that we've had on the show today. I think it's a, a really really good point that you. Uh, brought up and yeah thanks for getting in touch um i've got another text here from josh and josh says uh, my opinion on this has been changed over the past half an hour but i do think it's worth adding that if you think the uk has a problem with corruption and lobbying we have no problem in comparison to the us in america if the national rifle association doesn't like you and gives you a poor rating they can literally prevent a politician from getting elected in America, lobbying affects actual laws and is making people's lives worse. I don't see that happening so much in the UK. With the case of Weatherspoons that you mentioned, Matthew, I don't see pubs opening earlier than other places, like restaurants, as being a result of lobbying, because that affected all pubs, and it is easier to socially distance in a pub than in a restaurant. It's a different setup. And pubs are such a central part of British culture. But try going against a company that heavily lobbies in the US it's nearly impossible to be a politician and not be affected by lobbying over there. Well, Josh, um, I would just like to say that while you've raised a host of brilliant points there, um, I don't think we should get into what aboutery, who's worse. Um, just because the US has a terrible problem with lobbying, which they completely do, and you're right to raise it, I don't think that excuses any problems the UK has. So I, I would just um, I would just say that. But um, as to the second part of your message, where you talk about uh, Weatherspoons, I think you're actually right. Um, 
maybe I spoke in, in in haste or something when I um when I talked about how that could have been uh, a result of corruption because um there is logic behind that decision but other examples that we've listed particularly uh the awarding of PPE contracts that has been declared illegal the health department broke the law that that's a fact and it can't be disputed I think particularly that example is one that affects people's lives because if the the uh, equipment being provided was defective that could have cost lives in the earlier stage of the pandemic so i don't think it can be dismissed and uh, yes the us has probably got a worse problem than us um with the hugely wealthy um lobbying groups uh, such as the nra but other groups as well that run government from the inside with the huge amount of uh, of money they uh, of money they have um i do think that um the uk is not exempt from from issues and i think that um many of those issues have been raised uh, over the course of um the last 45 minutes so um yeah i'd like to say thanks to everyone for getting in touch on this topic we're going to take our final break of the hour of the hour now and uh, then i want your thoughts on the second topic if you feel that the reopening this time around um and the easing of restrictions is safer and do you think that that's because we've learned more about the about the pandemic and how it spread do you think that uh, the new science is being uh, adhered to and um listened to and implemented by businesses do you think they're ventilating their spaces instead of telling you to wash your hands every two seconds do you think uh, that's the case or do you think that people are still acting like it's uh, april may june last year uh, where we knew far less about the pandemic so yeah um i want your thoughts on that after the break we're getting our final song of the hour on now the song is Wes Nelson Nights sorry Wes Nelson Nice to meet you featuring Young Bane Welcome back to Wizard Radio I'm Matthew Wolf um we're going to get straight into our second topic uh, right now the question that I'm asking all of you is are you confident that business that business will rebound post pandemic safely and I've got a text here from Courtney who says, I feel like people are taking liberties at the moment. I know that it's now possible for restaurants to open with social distancing, but I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but people are acting like we aren't still in a pandemic. I feel this is the scientist's worst nightmare. You let people have a bit of freedom and now they're just acting like there are no rules in place. I've seen restaurants break the rules. I've seen people in groups bigger than six. The photos of central London last weekend are shocking. People crammed in outdoor seating areas. This is going to slow the rollout because the virus will be spreading and it's not safe. Um, well, Courtney, I understand your concerns, but I would say a few things. Um, I saw lots of people uh, tweeting stuff this week with similar sentiment about how they think that um, it's disgraceful that the people are out there uh, doing things without social distancing. But I would say, in all the photos I saw, yes, it did look crowded, but people were outside in most cases with the good weather we've had. We know for a fact um since last year as well that the risk outside is far lower than inside and also uh, there's a huge difference with this time last year the fact um the, the huge sorry I'll say, that, I'll say that again there's a huge difference um in where we're at compared to this time last year and that difference is that the vaccine rollout is well well underway um the people that have been given their first dose um which offers around an 80 percent uh protection it doesn't stop the transmission but it does stop protection from getting seriously ill with one dose um accounts for 
though, though the people that have been given that first dose account for over 99% of all deaths from COVID-19. Uh, people with a, a large number of people have also been given the second dose now, um, well over a million. Um, and the rate is, it, we did have a small hiccup at the start of the last month, but at the start of this month, sorry. But um, yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll just quickly say that if you want to hear about um, vaccine distribution, you can check out uh, one of our old episodes, which um, will be available on a podcast. And we spoke to someone that's in charge of the vaccine rollout. Um, but yeah, back to the, back to your topic. Um, that is a difference that um, many people have been vaccinated. And I honestly think that, yes, some scientists would be annoyed. But if you really expect people who've been locked inside for over a year to go out and not want to enjoy the freedoms they have. I, I feel like you don't, you wouldn't really understand human nature. I, I do not blame anyone for wanting to see friends. I, I myself went out to um, a pub last night and um, it was really almost liberating. Everyone was socially distanced on tables. It was outside where the risk is low. And it was just, it was a really, it just felt really good to be closer to, to normality. And we are on the road to, um, to recovering from this pandemic and one thing that I, I know I'm repeating myself here but one thing that is just that we've learned a lot from last year is that the risks outside are far far lower than the risk inside um we think covid spreads um spreads most through um uh, through uh, aerosol droplets in the air and um therefore ventilated spaces are much safer and um in many cases ventilation has been in place so yeah um Thanks for the text there, Courtney. I understand where you're coming from, but I honestly don't think you can blame anyone for wanting to act like normal human beings after over a year and a half. But um, yeah, I completely understand your concerns. So but thanks for getting in touch. Um, I've got another text here from Manny who says it's going to be trial and error, but I do think business will rebound and we won't be taking any backtracks anytime soon. Most businesses are being careful. They're monitoring the situation. And with so many people being vaccinated and the vaccine rollout going re really well, we are on the path to recovery. At first, I was very sceptical about Boris Johnson's pathway out of lockdown. And it really annoyed me that he was making promises that each step would be irreversible because it felt like a promise that he wouldn't be able to keep. But the reality seems to be different. It feels like everything is moving forward safely and that we actually might be able to get be out of this pandemic by summer. Well, Manny, um, I love your positivity and maybe me and you are being naive, but I do, I'm with you on this. I think that this time is going to be safer. And um, like I said, I know I'm repeating myself again, but there are two main reasons for it. The first being the vaccine rollout, which has been incredibly fast and incredibly um, effective. In, in some areas already, um, the vaccine rollout is partially responsible for lowering deaths and lowering cases. Um, in the most case, it was lockdown that brought down ca cases, but um, the vaccine rollout in small communities that have had both doses has also been um, similarly effective. And, and the second thing is that we know more about this pandemic. Um, when I went out yesterday, um, it, 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 it seemed very safe. Um, it was all outside and it, it just seems this time that people are ready to move forward sensibly, but also, also that they're, they're more likely to listen to the advice because they know that the more we listen to the advice, the, the quicker it will be over. But also, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know why I said, I, yeah, uh, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but yeah. Um, that was a really, it's, it's a really positive view there, Manny. And I do agree with you. And I, maybe I'm being na naive, but I, I do hope that this can, um, can be the case. Uh, one final thing before I go on to the last message is that um, we do need to keep the restrictions. Um, we do still need to keep the restrictions. And um, the biggest reason for that is that even if 
um, vulnerable people have been vaccinated and protected. The fact that if we allow the virus to to spread among people that haven't been vaccinated, then as we said before on this show, that the more a virus spreads, the more chances it has to mutate. And then we could be in a, a whole host of trouble with uh, a mutated virus that spreads quicker or is perhaps more deadly or resistant to a vaccine. So that's why we should all keep restrictions. But I myself have said this on the show. Um, as soon as we can do something, I will do it because we've been locked inside in lockdown for far too long. And it's human nature to want to um, go back out and experience the things that we've been deprived on for, of for so long. So when pubs were open, I was there and I was seeing my friends. And um, yeah, I don't blame anyone that's taking full advantage of these uh, easing of restrictions like I myself am. Um, so yeah, maybe I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, Manny, but thanks for your text. I've got another text here from Jamie. And um, this is going to be the last text of the hour. So thanks to everyone for getting in touch. Uh, Jamie says, I think the scientists have probably considered the fact that when they lift lockdown rules, there'll be a big reaction to changes with people really taking advantage of them because we have been locked down for months and months. You said that some business are seeing sales they would usually only see around Christmas. And I feel like that would have been predicted and taken into consideration because people have been very vocal about how excited they are for lockdown to end and for life to go back to normal. I mean, if the government and the scientists hadn't take that, taken that into consideration, then they're stupid. I think that this is now and we're on the way out of constant lockdowns. Well, Jamie, I think you're right. Um, I think you're definitely right. I think, but I think that um, the scientific community in the UK has taken that into account. And that's perhaps why we stayed in lockdown for quite a relatively long time, even when cases were so low, because um, we wanted to make sure it's extra safe. Um, as we reopen because then the government know that especially with good weather and um, the fact that we've been locked down for so long that people would take full advantage of any easing of restrictions so um, yeah I think that they've taken it into account I hope they do I want to say thank you Jamie and everyone else for getting in touch over the course of this hour um, if you miss any of the show it will be available for the next seven days on our website www.wizardradio.co.uk forward slash repeats uh, go to the Sunday section and I'm there. And uh, also, it's available as a podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, etc., just search Your Views on the News with Matthew Wolf, or just search Matthew Wolf, and uh, you should find it there. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, up next is Madeline Molly, but first, it's time for the news and the weather. something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details